Hi, I'm Kelsey, a mental health professional and outdoor enthusiast obsessed with helping stuck individuals live more authentically, heal their mental health, and play outside more. I'm a Midwest gal who grabbed a 60-liter backpack, laced up her hiking boots, and turned a quarter-life crisis into a quarter-life comeback. I teach you evidence-based ways to overcome the beliefs and behaviors that are holding you back. Not one for small talk, psychology, spirituality, and honest conversations about both the triumphs and tragedies of life are all topics you can expect on this show. So grab your headphones, get some fresh air, and prepare to ponder deep. Rooted in curiosity, resilience, and abundance, this is Evergreen Thinking. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to episode 50, which is kind of cool. Uh, Today, I want to talk about social media and friendships and vulnerability online. This may be a somewhat messy conversation, but one that I think is compelling and important, and I want it to be just that, a conversation. A lot of times I come to these episodes prepared with like a, here's a thought and here's what to do about it, or here's, you know, seven tips for yada yada. This one is a little bit more so of a free-flowing thought. I'm going to share some observations I have, some things I've been noticing, um, and then at the end I'll, I'll give a couple of like Uh, suggestions, but really this is just kind of like a conversation today. Um, You know, I would say that about mm, 75 to 80% of the population that I serve as a therapist is ages 22 to 40. Um, I have people on uh, the outsides of that range for sure but that is the bulk of the people who I serve and so it really is this overlap of generations who spend a lot of time online and some of the recurring conversations I hear from from people I work with are regarding challenges with social media people feel like they are addicted to it they have a love-hate relationship with it Uh, They want to know what to do with that or what to do about that. Other recurring conversations include the sentiment that it is so dang hard to make friends as an adult, but people are desiring close friendships, new friendships. Uh, People are feeling lonely and uncertain about how to not just make new friends, but also how to strengthen or maintain their existing friendships. And a major theme that I see overarching all of this is the idea of intimacy. Not sexual intimacy, something much more platonic, but something close and private. Something personal and deep and exclusive, even like spiritual in some ways. So many people are desiring intimacy in their relationships like, I want intimacy in my relationships too. Actually, I think people are to a point of craving intimacy, but 
they maybe don't know it or they haven't been able to put that word to it. So today I want to dive into this kind of intersection here, uh, a Venn diagram, if you will, of social media, making friends as an adult, and uh, intimacy. So yeah, how I kind of like define intimacy, I guess, is like, it's something that's very close. It's it's private. It's personal. There's a sort of exclusivity to it. Not necessarily like excluding, but it's exclusive. Like there's like a password to get in kind of vibe. Like I kind of insinuated earlier, a lot of people when they think intimacy, they think about like sexuality, but I want you to think for a minute about what else comes to mind when I say the word intimacy. To me, I think of like a small, tight-knit time. I think of exclusivity. Um, you know, when I was a part of the church, um, I used to be a Christian. I'm not anymore. Uh, there are other podcast episodes about that. If you want to learn more about that part of my story, just scroll back a little bit. Um, but when I was a part of the church, I went to, to a church that had multiple services. There was like the big main service Sunday morning, like, you know, nine o'clock or whatever that had like 2000 people at it. It was high energy, bright, upbeat, energetic, fast-paced, and then later in the evening, or like once a month on a, a night, there was a service that was described as being more intimate. It was darker, literally with like the lighting, like it was darker, warmer, softer. The mood was less flashy, but more introspective. The dressing was more casual, and there was way less people. Even like the music was more in like a minor key, like just all of these adjustments. And both were good. Like like one wasn't better than the other. They but they were different. And like you got something different out of both experiences. I kind of think of it as being like the difference between acquaintances or like best friends. There was like a a macro scale and then there was something really private and special and micro. People want to to know and they want to be known. And if we bring in social media here, like whether you have 30 followers or, you know, 3000 followers, I would be willing to bet that you want to know people and you want to be known. And I think that interestingly enough, social media has a way of making us feel like we know people more than we actually do. And I know this isn't like a novel idea, but I'm going to take this conversation in a different direction. Like we're not going to talk about the cliche of how like what you see isn't what's actually like reality. We're not going to have that conversation, but hear me out because I think that you could probably agree with me that even though you feel like you know Taylor Swift, in reality, you actually don't. And no one's going to argue about that with me, right? Like we're all in agreement that I'm assuming if you're listening to my little podcast, you probably don't know Taylor Swift. <laughs> if you do, like, can you hook a girl up? Um, <laughs> but okay. 
but like let's let's apply this to our friends uh do you know like actually know what's going on in each other's lives or do you just feel like you do like let's take me for example i historically have posted a lot online i post a lot of daily life stuff and also like deeper personal reflections and things um I actually have taken a bit of a break from that. I'm curious if anyone listening to this notices. But anyways, based off of what I post, someone, even like one of my friends, might feel like they know what's going on in my life. Oh, Kelsey was training for triathlon this weekend. Then she got this cool new business opportunity. She saw a cute baby deer on a hike yesterday. She's listening to the new Zach Bryan album on her way to a comedy show. Like... If you saw those things, you could maybe reasonably assume that you know what's going on in my life. But what that person is getting from Instagram is secondhand knowledge. The same knowledge that any random person who looks me up online is going to find. Also, most of what I post, honestly, is work-related. Even the things that seem more quote-unquote personal. While I do work a lot, there is a lot more going on for me. I just post worky stuff and reflective stuff um, and activities that I'm doing because of the line of the work that I do. I'm trying to draw in ideal clients. I'm trying to share my personality as a therapist and the things that make me a human, not just a therapist. And so it can seem like what I post isn't about work, but the objective usually has something to do with work. That doesn't mean it's any less genuine, but if I'm being honest about the objective there, that's what it is. I would say like 90% of what I post in some form or fashion is for work. And it's after the fact too. Like for example, I if I ever share a location, I never share a location when I'm actually there in real time. So even if my friend watches my story all day, does she actually know what's going on in my life? No. Uh, Not the little silly things, and not even if it's like a deeper reflective piece. Because here's another thing, and this is like a principle that I have had for a long time when it comes to posting things online, is that I don't post open wounds. I recently heard this described really well by, uh, I think it was by Jen Gottlieb, who's a professional speaker. She was giving people guidance around like being vulnerable or honest online. And she said, you know, there's, there's different kinds of wounds. There's like a wound that is like bleeding and you are applying pressure with like a rag on it to keep it like contained while you're like on your way to the ER to get it stitched up. And then there's also like paper cuts and then there's like scars and like scabs and she just talks about how like as speakers and as people like online it's really not wise to share something while you're like holding pressure on it keeping it from bleeding out on the floor it's more helpful if we want to be transparent and vulnerable to share things that are already like scabbed over or like scarred over and um So it's interesting because the reality is that like if I share something that is more quote unquote vulnerable and more like personal online, I can guarantee you I'm not sharing that in real time. Uh, It's already healed to an extent 
I just, I don't process in real time online ever. I never have. And so then it brings up this question, like, just because that was maybe kind of vulnerable, was it actually intimate? If it's secondhand, after the fact, after the processing's been done, it's not the real wound, it's already healed, like, is that really very intimate? I would say no. And, like, if I shared it with 200-something people, is that intimate? I would say no. Or even if I shared with, like, 50 people on my closest friends, which actually, <laughs> my closest friends has anywhere between, like, 5 and 12 people on it. It fluctuates. It's more like a group text where I can share things that the masses might be offended by but my close people won't be um anyways even that like five to twelve people i would not call that intimacy intimacy does not come by a group message intimacy is in my opinion is me saying hey can we get coffee and talk about this thing or I text a friend, oh my gosh, this just happened and it made me think of you. Or I send a voicemail or a voice message. Um, which this kind of brings up another point about social media. A lot of times we share to the masses, but if we kind of pause and think about this, usually we have someone specific in mind that we want to see it. And it might be more than one person. But normally, when we share something, it's not because we want 2,000 people to see it. It's because there's like four people that you really want to get their reaction to it. Think about it. Like, here's an example. Um, my friend Chelsea um, got me into this book series, the Throne of Glass series. Um, and, like, I could... Like, I want her to see that I'm reading it, right? And I could post it to, like, my story for all 2,000 people to see. I don't even know how many followers I have. Um, and she could, I, I can pretty, pretty well guess that she'll see it. Or I could literally just take the picture, send it to her in, like, a DM or a text and be like, look what you got me reading. Isn't that funny? And like, I'm not saying one is good and one is bad. I just think it's so interesting to think about. And this is the difference, I think, between intimacy and like mass sharing. Like sure, I could justify it as like, I want my audience to see what kind of books I like. This is a fun way to build my no like trust or whatever. And that's fine. But I think that I would have gained so much more out of that interaction if I had just sent it to, like, the person specifically. Or, like, what if, you know, I'm, like, feeling myself in my, I don't know, cute outfit or whatever. And what if I just took that selfie and sent it to my actual boyfriend? And I know he would probably, you know, like it and be like, look at you, cutie. Like, whatever that hits so much differently than like sharing it for the masses assuming he'll see it you know and getting like three likes from my like girlfriends you know I don't know I just think it's so interesting 
Like, what if, you know, I'm celebrating something and I send it to my friend, hey, got that new PR on my 6K, like feeling, or what is a 6K? I don't even know. <laughs> I think I was thinking six miles, like 10K, I guess. Um, feeling like so on top of the world right now, just wanted to celebrate with you. Like that just hits differently. Yeah, like the stories, it's so funny because I feel like it's like a, a blind copy, like a BCC to people. And I mean, if you follow me for any period of time, you know that I've done this too. Like I'm not speaking from some high and mighty place. But you could also directly have a real conversation with the people in mind that you wish to see it. And let me take this a step further, okay? So let's say you get really honest with yourself. And you think, okay, yeah, these are like the four people I really wanted to see this and I wanted their reaction to it. Do you have the phone numbers of those four people? Do you have a long like message chain with those four people? Like, are you actually a part of each other's life in real life? It's kind of an interesting thing to think about. It's kind of like spicy food for thought maybe. Because, like, if you don't have their phone number, if you don't know where they live, if they're not someone you would hang out with, why does their reaction and validation matter so much to you? Who knows? Spicy food for thought. But I do think that this kind of just brings up a grander idea of vulnerability online. And let me say, this is a topic I've been slowly kind of shifting my mindset on. Y'all, I have been doing online vulnerability for a long, long time. Since like 2016 or so. I've had different mediums, blogs, websites, social media accounts, books in print, in-person speaking events, this podcast even... Like my very first blog was called, well, not my very first one, but my first like um, intentional one, I guess, was called Detangled and Free. This was back when I was a Christian. I spoke about top, the topics of comparison and jealousy, like in a, like the female experience from a Christian perspective. And back then, like this was very taboo. It was like very vulnerable. Um, and I'm not trying to sound like a hipster here, like someone who says, oh yeah, I listened to that band before they were ever famous. But I do say this to just really speak from like years of experience. I've done this. I've seen its evolution and I see how it is a huge selling point for like big influencers and people now. Um... And it's just like really interesting because I I think we kind of need to talk about having like a trauma-informed approach when it comes to um, sharing vulnerability online. Like, am I trauma dumping? Am I attempting to trauma bond? Am I exposing people to the possibility of vicarious trauma and what I'm sharing? And we could have a whole other conversation about like what is actually trauma, but that's a whole other conversation. I think this is like so important for people to think about if you're sharing things online. I just feel like being vulnerable online has become like a really big thing and it definitely has its pros and cons. I know that it has helped a lot of people. Um, personally, after doing this for like, prob- I mean, probably 10 years at this point, 
I really do desire more and more privacy. I know that some of this comes from a scary experience that I had last year, but also honestly because I really desire intimacy in my like real life relationships. Like if I share something with 800 people and then I share it the same thing with my boyfriend or even vice versa. Let's say I share something with my boyfriend and then I share it with 800 people online. It's not really that special anymore. At that point, he's no different than any other person who could do a Google search of me and read the post. Like if we share all of our secrets online, then no one in our life is really that privileged and it definitely reduces our level of intimacy. Like I want my friends to know what a privilege privilege it is for me to share with them and vice versa. Like I want to have like this reverence for the things that like my friends share with me. I think there's something to be said about the vulnerability that is necessary to be able to like sit one-on-one with someone on a picnic blanket in a park and look into their eyes and say, hey, I'm really struggling with XYZ or can I tell you my opinion on something that might be a little controversial? Like this is kind of scary for me to share because I'm worried that like you might think I'm a conspiracy theorist, but I've really been thinking about this or hey, sometimes I think about this is that crazy and to just put yourself in a position in real life in the flesh to be able to experience and witness someone's reply to you in real time and the potential different ways that that could go like that is vulnerable that is scary that is so intimate um so yeah I'll like kind of give you some just examples in case you're like well Kelsey like what are some things to keep private and not keep private that's going to be different for everyone but like some things that I choose to keep really private are uh, my relationship with my significant other it's so funny because last summer I like did kind of like a hard launch like we've been dating for like th- three years now and but like I, I rarely post much about him And over the summer, I shared some photos we had taken together. And those were like my most liked photos on Instagram ever. Y'all loved the hard launch. Um, But generally, I keep my relationship and what things like we're experiencing and going through together very private. Um, Dynamics with my family, I keep that really private. Things I'm processing in real time. Like I said, if something's like actively bleeding, I don't share about it. Um, certain like niche challenges that I personally deal with regarding things like mental health, body image, my political interests and leanings. I used to share a little more about that. And honestly, I've, I have evolved a lot with some of that stuff and choose to keep a lot of it private. Um, certain hobbies and interests. There's actually a lot of things that I love to do. Um, and a lot of things I like to think about that very, very few people know about. In my opinion, like I said, sharing with something with someone one-on-one in the flesh is so different. It's like a very different kind of vulnerable than from the protection behind your screen where you can edit a post, where you could delete a post or archive something. It's so different. Um, 
And I know that this topic might be a little bit activating or like triggering for some people. I don't mean it to be any kind of like personal attack, but if this is feeling kind of spicy for you, uh, I'd say just take that as some interesting data, um, that reaction and something worth exploring. So yeah, we kind of covered a lot of ground here. Um, I guess if I could give like just a couple of practical tips or challenges, um, I'll share like a, a few things that I've been trying. So if I want to share something to like my Instagram story, I generally will ask, who do I want to see this? What if I texted or DM'd that person directly? If I feel like I can't contact that person directly, what does that mean? Number two, how can I prioritize contacting my friends in real life first and then anything left over goes to social media instead of the reverse? A lot of times I feel like what we do is everything goes to social media and then the leftovers go to our friends. Those leftovers are not very mighty usually. I ask who is one person I really want to connect with in real life this week? When I go to share something vulnerable, I ask, is this a bleeding wound or a scar? Just doing things like inviting friends to events. Hey, do you want to go to this thing with me? Or telling a friend, hey, I'm bringing you lunch tomorrow. Instead of being like, hey, let me know if I can do anything for you. Let me know if you ever want to hang out. Just taking the initiative there. Um, responding to unread text before using social media kind of goes along with the last one um with like the leftover one um reserving some things just for me and for no one else keeping secrets with myself keeping photos for myself I hope that this episode maybe gave you some thoughts to chew on things to let marinate I'm curious what you think uh whether you're someone like me who posts a lot or you are someone who tends to just kind of lurk around and spend time on social media in other ways really curious what you think um if you do follow me um i'm curious if you've noticed a little bit of a shift here um yeah i've been trying to use social media really more for like business and work like this and just reclaim that privacy more and more and it's been feeling really good for me let me know if you have any thoughts or questions about this. I love engaging with you all outside of recording these. Thank you so much for listening to the Evergreen Thinking Podcast. To get further connected with me or take your exploration to the next level, visit the show notes at evergreenthinkingpod.com or find me on Instagram at evergreenthinkingpod.com.